Keeping your immune system strong and stable is important to staying healthy. New Roots Herbal offers vital antioxidants and immune-boosting supplements to keep you at your best. Discover Resilience Mushroom Blend, powerful green tea extracts, and their best-selling vitamin C8 formula. Find these and other New Roots Herbal products exclusively at quality health food stores. And for more information, visit NewRootsHerbal.com. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. You're listening to an interview taken from the Tonic Talk Show and Podcast. Naturopathic doctor Philip Rochatis graduated from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in 2004, preceded by an honors undergraduate degree and master's of science degree, both in nutritional sciences from the University of Guelph. Philip practices at the Bolton Naturopathic Clinic in Bolton, Ontario, with his wife, Dr. Heidi Fritz. His areas of clinical focus include mental health, autoimmune disease, and metabolic syndrome. He also serves as an associate professor at the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, responsible for the delivery of the second-year curriculum in clinical nutrition. Welcome back to The Tonic, sir. How are you? Thank you for having me, Jamie. It's a treat to be here. So... Let's start with the obvious elephant in the room, and that is COVID-19. We keep hearing to wash hands and remain six feet apart, but there are still people out there who may not be taking it as seriously as they should, right? I always start a discussion like this with what we call the three A's of disaster preparedness. So number one is awareness. I would find it hard to believe that at this point, there's a Canadian citizen or a global citizen not aware of what's going on. We have a pandemic and it's taking people's lives. Then we talk about avoidance, and that is our social distancing and hand washing and sanitization, etc. And then the third A is action. Beyond the social distancing and hygiene, is there anything we can do to try to mitigate risk? So before we move forward, I need to make the obvious very clear we can't really have data on this specific virus yet because it's new. Yet, in this situation, what do we turn to? Well, we turn to science that we have as it relates to seasonal influenza and seasonal flu. So does the science tell us there's anything that has been shown to actually prevent or reduce or help recovery from viral infections in general, viral flu? Right. What else can we do? Like That's if we have it, but can we improve our chances of not getting sick in the first place? Right. Prevention and treatment. And again, awareness and avoidance, the yep. social distancing measures and what our public health authorities are telling us very much helps prevent transmission. But are there some other strategies that we can employ? And definitely, at least evidence regarding seasonal influenza, there certainly is. So what would you recommend if I were to call you up or because you're not going to see me in person or are you? Are you seeing people or are you doing video? We're doing mostly phone follow ups. My wife works a lot in the world of advanced cancer. Ah. So she has a lot of patients that she's doing IV therapies with. Yes. So very select few that she's already been working with for some time. And I mean, yeah, we have some pretty strict measures in place and big separation of physical space, and it's extremely limited. The number of people coming in and out of our office has been reduced over 90%. So if I were to consult with you, what would you tell me to do to prevent me from potentially getting COVID? And again, from where I'm coming from, it's... So 
the evidence is coming from seasonal influenza. And yep. I have to admit, I got a little bit of a chip on my shoulder here. Why is that? Because I'm watching a lot of, I'm hearing a lot of recommendations for do this for COVID, do this for COVID. First of all, we should not be discussing it in relation to COVID. And you understand where I'm coming from. Of course. That, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then secondly, it's these recommendations that have no human level evidence for helping with anything viral. Right. And so I'm finding that frustrating. Like, hey, we do have some science to guide us here. So let's be a little bit rational about it. So a little bit of a chip, and here we go. The big two, this is a no-brainer. They're really common recommendations from all of my colleagues. So any integrative healthcare provider basically has most of our patients taking the first two things I'm going to discuss anyway. Mm-hmm. They're on the really short list of things that all people should be considered taking anyway. So one of them, I call it the public service announcement, is vitamin D. Mm-hmm. It's simple. It's super inexpensive. It costs pennies. And specific data on this for influenza is really powerful. And the researchers aren't dumb, right? They go to what are normally considered higher-risk populations, which are the very young or the elderly. Again, we're talking seasonal influenza. Yep. And they do human studies, vitamin D or placebo, and they look what happens. So you take vitamin D in these higher-risk settings for influenza multiple human studies, 8, 10, show you're going to reduce the risk of getting the flu by about half. Mm -hmm. So pennies a day, you take your vitamin D, your risk of getting the flu is half. And if you get it, duration and severity are also reduced if you're taking the vitamin D. And you're talking about normal dosages, right? We don't have to superdose with vitamin D. We should just be taking... By no means, by no means. And I think often mega doses are recommended when it's completely inappropriate. That's number one. And number two, again, on our really short list of things you would recommend to every, pretty much everybody anyway, is a probiotic. Okay. We hear lots about probiotics in the news. You know, there, there are many available. These are literally live bacteria that inhabit our intestines. I consider it a remarkable little factoid. You have 10 times more bacteria living in your gut than you have cells in your body. Wow. It's a remarkable concept, right? So there's this massive population of various different friendly and non-friendly bacteria, and they intimately interact with us. Notably, they intimately interact with our immune system. So again, multiple human-level studies regarding seasonal influenza that show we go into high-risk areas, be it elderly or be it the very young with regards to seasonal influenza, and we start administering probiotics. So independent of vitamin D, we get another about 50% reduction in reduced risk of getting the flu. And again, if you get it, duration and severity are reduced if you're taking a probiotic. I can't tell you how many like parents bring me kids for typically like ADD or mental health issues right? Mm -hmm. And basic, just general health is take the vitamin D, because that also shows benefit in mental health. Take the probiotics, you know, a few other things, and off we go. One of the first things the parent reports is, wow, normally by this time of the school year, my child will have had four colds. They haven't gotten sick yet. Yep. This is a really basic outcome achieved by vitamin D and probiotics. What about lifestyle in terms of prevention? I have some ideas. Do you have any ideas? I do, and I think lifestyle regarding cold and flu, what we're really talking about is about immune rigor, about overall health. Correct. So to me, it's the obvious. And look, in the face of COVID-19, we're starting to hear some of the other costs. 
that being what happens to the use of vice, right? In times like this, we often see people drink more, people use more recreational drugs. Well, these things are horrible for our immune system, obviously, right? How are we eating? Most cases, in my family's case, it's now all home-cooked meals. It's like the quality of our food has improved because we're home so much. For other people, this may be a time where they're turning to, you know, less healthful choices out of stress. So the basics of just keep yourself healthy, eat clean meals, and don't go indulge in vice, I I think those are obvious suggestions. What did you have in mind, Jake? Well, in addition to that, I was thinking, you know, getting a good night's sleep is always a good way to fight off, you know, the bugs, making sure you're getting your rest. And sort of commingled with that is, you know, the better way to get a good night's sleep is to tire yourself out, which means we can't think about social isolation as an excuse not to be physically active. So yes, you may be, you know, stuck in the house, but that doesn't mean you can't go outside for a breath of fresh air. It doesn't mean you can't do a workout in your basement or in your garage or go for a walk as long as you're socially isolating. I think those are important aspects of keeping healthy. I think those are incredibly important points. And thank you, Jane. Sleep especially. Put, put Hang the big, big exclamation point on that. Sleep deprivation. Even one night of sleep deprivation of even by a couple of hours directly impairs immunity, really to a disturbing magnitude. And exercise, absolutely. I mean, we have the time now, right? Most people, the excuse is there's no time in the day, et cetera. We have it. It could be as simple as going up and down the stairs in your home a few times, or even just picking one step and going up and down, right? Really basic things that make a big difference. And there's all kinds of assistance online to help you. There's video guides on how to do exercises properly. Really, all you need is a clear space and maybe even a mirror so you can watch yourself do the moves and make sure that you're doing it properly. And, you know, with things you can find around the house, you can make makeshift weights and things to help you along the way to do a little bit of resistance training. Absolutely. I love to point out that we don't need to turn people into Arnold Schwarzenegger to get benefits from exercise. No. It's been reproducibly shown as simple as a 20-minute walk per day has profound metabolic and other impacts to the body. So just get moving a bit. Absolutely. So you talked about vitamin D a few minutes ago. Are you referencing that because people are stuck in the house? Like apropos my last comment, like if we got outside, would that help? To a modest degree. But guidelines on what blood levels of vitamin D should be radically changed, I'm going to say roughly about a decade ago. So we used to say it had to be over 20. Now we say if you're under 20, that is ultra severe vitamin D deficiency. Right. And the new number has to be greater than 75. It's a huge difference, right? It's a huge change in the way we look at vitamin D. 75 to 225, that's the new range. Essentially, if you live in Canada, it's almost impossible right. to achieve 75 if you're not supplementing. Right. And just to clarify, we haven't said and what we've implied is that you get vitamin D by exposure to the sun's rays, which obviously in winter is a problem, but even this time of year is a bit problematic. Right. So generally, that is why on average Canadians have lower levels of vitamin D than people in many other parts of the world. Right. It has been suggested to be a partial part of the equation as to why multiple sclerosis rates are among the highest in Canada anywhere they are in the world. Mm -hmm. So generally, Canadians are low in D. It certainly has to do with our weather. And then I have patients that will say, well, it's the summertime, so I stop taking it. Not true. A lot of the studies showing some of the best benefits of vitamin D actually come out of Australia. 
which is one of the sunniest places in the world. Huh. So set dose of vitamin D. Frankly, ideally, you should be measuring it at least once a year. It is fat-soluble. You don't want it to go too high. But standard dose recommendation, like 1,000 IU per day, that really has near zero risk of bringing anybody too high and will, over time, get most people to that 75 level where they need to be. What about people who have underlying conditions that make them more susceptible to getting sick? Maybe they're immune deficient, but there may be other reasons why they get more sick. What would you suggest in those circumstances? I'm glad you brought this concept up because we hear, hey, COVID is being really nasty to the elderly. Yeah. And we just say the statement immunocompromised or vulnerable, and we don't really expand on what that means. Mm -hmm. That is actually a big group of people, too. A really, really, really big group. So it's anyone undergoing cancer treatment, but it goes so far beyond that. Think of any autoimmune disease. The list is really long, right? Your own immune system attacking your own body. Yep. So anyone taking a medication for any autoimmune disease, by definition, the job of that medication is to suppress your immunity. Your immune system is inappropriately attacking your body, so the treatment aims at shutting that down. So if you're on medication for arthritis, and now this is not age-specific, right? If you're on medication for multiple sclerosis, if you're on medication for bowel disease, if you're on asthma medication, any of these settings inherently have you high risk for this situation we find ourselves in. Hmm. So I think we're just brushing off that statement, oh, you know, and vulnerable people. We don't realize that is also a really big subset of our population. Absolutely. And again, those two things we just described, the vitamin D and the probiotic, really are step one of this process. They are on the ultra short list of things I could easily come on your show and you could ask me, hey, what supplements really like are good for kind of everybody? Like, what should we all be thinking of taking? Mm -hmm. Vitamin D and probiotic are at the top of that list. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they do for us is, hey, big picture forest for the trees, they quite powerfully reduce risk of seasonal influenza. And if we get it, they then reduce risk of duration and severity. Okay. Is there anything else that can help improve immunity? Yeah, my big third one, and I love this one. I think this one goes unheralded, unchampioned, and it's really great evidence of being antiviral and broad spectrum. Most of its data is for seasonal influenza, but it also has great evidence of being an effective treatment for warts, which is, of course, the human papillomavirus. Right. Being an effective treatment for hepatitis, which is viral infection of your liver. And this is green tea. Huh. So again, super simple. Yes, you can go get it in pill form. A lot of the pills are really potent versions. One pill a day in pill form is a really thumping dose. You could certainly also get benefit from drinking green tea. And this for seasonal influenza has shown itself to be even more powerful than the vitamin D and the probiotics. My favorite studies here, there's probably nine or 10 studies of green tea in humans for seasonal influenza. My favorite took nurses. All nurses get the seasonal flu shot, and then they got placebo or green tea through flu season. The likelihood of these nurses getting the flu during that year was reduced over 50%. And this is when they already had the vaccine? Already having flu shot right, for seasonal influenza. And that's the other thing. These studies on influenza are over multiple years. Influenza changes year by year. And all these studies over multiple years are showing effectiveness. Another study just random, and some of the studies go into retirement homes, green tea or placebo. Again, powerful reductions. Collectively, these studies show a 50 to 75% reduced risk of getting seasonal influenza 
if you're using green tea. And they've used it in many forms. They've used it in pills. They've used it in drinking. One of the studies in nursing homes used the green tea as a gargle. Hmm. Gargling of green tea, powerfully reducing risk of seasonal influenza in retirement community setting. Fantastic. Right? It's awesome stuff. And I love that we're on here because I'm, I'm reading a lot of stuff from peers and whatnot. That's like, where are you coming up with that? That has no human-level evidence for being antiviral. We have things we can turn to that have human-level evidence. If we're going to suggest taking some action, can we at least start with these things that have human-level evidence for seasonal influenza? Fantastic advice. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, sir. Always a treat. You're going to come back next month, and we're going to discuss reducing stress in challenging times, yes? A very important topic.